episode of Dying Alive, a podcast where we might talk hockey, but we'll probably just tell you more about our physical ailments than we do anything else, considering that pushed uh, our first episode back. I'm Pat Damp, and I'm joined by Jesse Marshall of The Athletic and Mike Darnay of Pennsburg. What's going on, fellas? I'm Jesse Marshall of The Athletic, and I have a compromised immune system. Yeah, I'm Mike Darnay, and I can say the same. I, uh, I know the two of you know, and Pretty much everybody who knows what I do, I spent Friday night shooting a high school football game in the rain, and my body doesn't bounce back like it used to. I'm just no, and uh, I don't have any. I'm not doing anything cool on Friday. I'm just old. <laughs> and uh, the change in weather and everything, with how shitty it's been with the rain and everything, I've just my allergies have been going to hell and back. So. Yeah, just three guys, you know, compromised immune systems, just bodies falling apart, and we like to think we know hockey, so uh, probably going to talk a little bit about that, too. Well, the days are getting shorter, it's cold, it's raining all the time. That can only mean one thing. It's- uh, pumpkin spice. Yeah, pumpkin spice, and we're getting there. Weeks <laughs> Weeks away. We're literally, let's see, what's today? We're recording on Monday, September 10th. You'll be listening to this on Tuesday the 11th, and that means at that point we're three days away from the official opening of training camp on Friday, September 14th. It's hard to believe it's here that quickly, right? Yeah, especially after a summer where you don't win the Stanley Cup and it's a longer summer, something you know we as Penguins fans haven't been uh, too accustomed to the last two summers. It was nice to have a little sabbatical, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. You know, it was kind of like the Stanley Cup decided it wanted to do a summer semester in Washington, D.C., get some internships, a little experience away from home, and figured it'll come back next summer and start really hitting the job hunt hard after college. Yeah, yeah, but it it really was nice to kind of step back a little bit before the end of June um, when you are committed to a team as a fan and also covering the team and the games get more important every time they play and it goes into mid-June, it does take a lot out of you as a fan and as a, I don't know how you want to phrase it, employee covering the team um, in addition to the players, I'm sure. It feels like nine years ago that the Penguins signed Jack Johnson. Am I wrong here? Like I keep, I'm thinking about training <laughs> camp. You start to think about lines. You start to think about uh, what the team's going to look like. Uh, and it wasn't just about a week ago, I think, that uh, Jack Johnson sort of made his arrival uh, in Pittsburgh and, and sort of released a video on the official website introducing himself and uh, talking about his role in the team. Um, with time to reflect, and I, and I think if we're going to just briefly cover free agent signings, we have to start with Jack Johnson. With time to reflect uh, on what ultimately proved, I think, to be a stressful time for everybody. Everybody had an opinion uh, about Jack Johnson. How do you view that signing now? And let's forget for a minute, because we could talk about term and money later. Let's just talk at a base level as far as what you're receiving as a player. What's your take on the Jack Johnson signing today? 
Um, that's the thing that's, oh, go ahead. That, go ahead Mike. Uh, I was going to say, my take is that he is not worth signing, but in a vacuum, I can sit back and say, all right, I will give them a chance to see how this works out. Given how many defensemen the Penguins have acquired or signed that I didn't think was going to work out that ended up not being too bad. Yeah, see, and the, that, that's where it gets complicated for me because I want to, to what Jesse said, you know, don't worry, don't, without looking at term and money, that's kind of hard given, like, you know, you talk about the player that he has been throughout his career. And, you know, but I, I'm kind of with Mike. I don't think it was a smart signing, but uh, I think it was Wyshynski on his podcast uh, brought up that the way in which. Jacques Martin and Sergei Gonchar have been able to rehab some defensemen that were either uh, starting to fade, middling, or just underwhelming in guys like Trevor Daly, Justin Schultz, Jamie Alexiak. He compared it akin to being at a blackjack table and being on a hot streak. I mean, you're not just going to keep hitting and watch the chips pile up and decide right in the middle of that to just get up and walk away. You're going to wait for the luck to turn before you get up and turn away. So in that regard... I'm okay with that and giving them a shot to try to rehab them, rehab him because, I mean, when you're hot, you're hot, and they haven't given me a reason to doubt that they can do it. So until they do, I am going to have some, some – you can't call it blind faith because there's a body of work to point to, but I'm going to have some faith in them. So let's have a chicken or the egg conversation because I don't disagree with anything you've said about Sergey Gonchar or Jacques Martin or, for that matter, Mike Sullivan. And – it's hard to deny the success that the Penguins have had bringing in sort of what equates to the island of misfit toys and, and turning it into uh, a Stanley Cup winner. But consider this. We know that when Trevor Daly came from Chicago, he was playing on the wrong side there. That's one of the reasons he was struggling so badly. And all the Penguins did was put him on the right side, the side that he preferred. And that, you know, we can somewhat attribute to him turning his game around. I think Justin Schultz is a guy that they eased back into things. They give him number six minutes, let him rebuild his confidence, and we're really just deploying him in a way that the Oilers did not. And, and look, 100% the fault of the Oilers, one of many things that they have done and continue to do wrong. Uh, with Jamie Alexia to get him out of Dallas and put him in a position where he could skate and be aggressive and play to his strengths, another thing that, that benefited him. So my question to you guys is, are the Penguins actually doing anything here? to rehabilitate these guys out of just deploying them the right way. I, I think it's, I think you have to give them some credit for deploying them the right way, but I guess at the end of the day, that's more capitalizing on something that your opponents are not doing by doing the simple things. Well, if this was pardon the interruption, no, no, no. What's that show on ESPN with the round table that, that guy uh, around the horn. Yeah, I would give you a point for that, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> No, that's that's a good point uh, by both you guys that, you know, the, the three that I did bring up, you know, they kind of did just do the simple thing, do the smart thing, and that aided those guys and it made them look smart. But, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe like maybe playing him middle six minutes or, or middle pairing minutes and, uh, you know, just simplifying his game might help. But, I mean, at the same token – when you're north of 30 as a defenseman and you have the body of work you've had, who knows if that's going to make a difference or not. What do we think about the impact of being on the ice with one of Sidney Crosby or Kenny Malkin at a good amount of time? 
Huge. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 that's, that's enough to lift anybody right there. And I, I think at the end of the day, we'll look back on this year, regardless of the result for the Penguins as a team. I think we'll look back on this year at the Jack Johnson signing and consider it to be very underwhelming, but not in a bad way. Underwhelming in the sense that you get what you expect, maybe a little bit better, but it doesn't kill or hamper the team. It fits in as a piece. I think that starting him out in a role similar to what they did with Justin Schultz, where they gave him those easy minutes, allowed him to ease his way back into things. I think if they can pair him with Jamie Alexiak on that third pairing, shelter it a little bit, babysit him a little bit, uh, you might see his confidence develop. You might see some of his strengths come to the forefront. But at worst, at worst, I don't think that this is a, a, a team-killing signing. And, and I think that some people, um, and maybe rightfully so, have really panicked about this. And I think we'll look back on it as something that was neither good or bad. It, it was just there. Which, which, to the point, we can then say, why make the signing at all in the first place if that's going to be the case? Uh, but I don't foresee this as something that's going to sink this team or really handcuff it in a super terrible way. So, so basically, what you're saying is at best case scenario is Jack Johnson's on the third pair, and we don't hear his name very much at all. Right. Yeah, and I mean, th- don't get me wrong. I, I, two things on that. One, uh, the longer we do this show, I'm sure the more people realize we're not going to be guys who put too much stock into, like, you know, tan- intangibles and all that, but. You know, there is something to be said, as we saw with Justin Schultz, to when a defenseman is playing with confidence. It really does elevate his game because he's a little bit quicker with the first pass. He's a little bit quicker with the shot. His eyes see the net a little bit better. He'll step up. He'll make better plays because he's feeling that he can do that better. And on the other side of that, with what you were saying, Jesse, with the it was a signing that we're not going to think highly or uh, lowly about, if that's the case, why $5 million? Yeah. I think that my gut instinct tells me that, that the Penguins targeted him from a very early point as somebody they were going to go after. Uh, I don't think they signed him with the intention of him playing out the entire deal here. Not only is he expansion draft fodder, that's a contract that's easily moved. Um, you take a look at some of the quote-unquote albatrosses that Jim Rutherford has traded, um, even including Ryan Reeves, I think, in that from last year, Rob Scuderi in times past. Uh, Jim Rutherford has a way of unloading something and shining it up to make it look like an asset. So I I think the Penguins targeted him. Uh, I think that they had planned to primarily fix defense over everything else. Uh, and I think that they gave him that contract knowing that there weren't going to be a lot of people around that were going to try to match that. Um, so for me, uh, I don't think the intention is going to be to have him play this whole thing out. I think they're going to try to get a couple serviceable years out of him, see what happens, and kind of play it by year in that sense. And, and to piggyback off of Jim Rutherford shining up a piece to make it a movable asset, there really is no such thing as an unmovable asset nowadays. You look around the league – you have it, it's the era of trading contracts of players who have no intentions on playing, and and they still get moved. Guys who you think would never be traded, like the Shea Weber contract, it still gets moved. So general managers will always find a way to move somebody if they really think they need to. And I, I think that's why I was less upset with the term because I, I even when it got leaked that it was going to be the contract that it ended up being. 
uh, I thought to myself, I, I, there's just absolutely no way that this goes to term. And I still think that. So I know you look at the number and you think, my God, that's such a long time for a player that age and, and somebody who's you know coming off being a healthy scratch. But uh, at the end of the day, for me, uh, I think it's something that it, you, you'd be hard-pressed to make me think that that's going to go all the way to the end. And uh, speaking of aging players and free agents, the Penguins are bringing back Matt Cullen. Somebody's going to do a dad thing here, or can we just bypass that? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying okay, that. Good. Uh, just... uh, yeah, I'm excited about this. Uh, I, I, the Penguins' fourth line for the majority of last year, and I say this with all due respect to Tom Kunakel, was a great person, and um, you know, um, put it all on the line for the team. Uh, their fourth line was not what it was when they when they repeated back to back. And I think that this goes a long way to getting back to that. And I think that you'll probably see Matt Cullen on the wing, which I think is great because I, I think in the Penguin system center, I think you might get more out of him by asking him to play on the wing uh, over having to cover that true 200 feet. Let Riley Shahan take care of that. Uh, and I think that Matt Collin fits in pretty well with that fourth line. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he scored 10 goals next year. Yeah, and, and it's crazy. He's going to be 42 in November. But um, I don't know if it was a month, month and a half back. Uh, Jason Mackey and Steph Chambers in the Post-Gazette went to Minnesota for several days with Matt Collin. You see the way he's training. You can see why he's still playing the game at 41, going to be 42. Yeah, I mean, they did that. Um they did the feature on him. What was it this past season at the athletic with your, your guys, Jesse on how, how well he takes care of himself both in season and in the off season. And, you know, people on the out on the outside that didn't see that or didn't read it, you know, essentially that guy's a health nut, a workout nut, and he's just dedicated to it. So like, yeah, the wear and tear of, uh, of all those years in the NHL is obviously there, but the guy has taken such good care of himself that, being in the NHL at 42 as a whole, as you when you look at the whole picture, is really not that much of a surprise. You know, not to get back on a discussion of intangibles again, but <laughs> Mike Sullivan will tell you and has said on record multiple times that he views Matt Cullen as an on-bench extension of the coaching staff. Uh, and, and not that I think that the Penguins need that. Uh, not to say that that's the reason they didn't beat Washington last year, but there's nothing wrong with that. That's not that's not problematic in any way, shape, or form. That's a bonus, uh, and that's something that that Mike Sullivan I think truly, really believes. Uh, and I think that his presence goes a long way towards um, an impact on a roster that, you know, while it's got its 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 veterans on it, it's going to have a little bit of youth on it as well. Yeah, and an extension of the coaching staff on the bench, it might not be that big of a help, but it certainly can't hurt. Yeah, I was going to say, um, to kind of um, build on it, what you were saying, Jesse, is it's not that you need it, but it does help a lot, especially because Mike Sullivan isn't the Yinzer wanted coach of the oh my God, anytime they step a single toe out of line, whip them until they aren't wa- they don't want to be whipped anymore. But he, them, right, <laughs> <laughs> and if players aren't relating to that, it's good to have somebody on the bench that can do it. Yeah, and th- you look at the situation that this team is in going into camp. You have to find a spot 
for Daniel Sprong. You might have to find a spot for Dominic Simone. It's questionable where Zach Aston Reese is going to end up. You've signed Jimmy Hayes, who's also going to be floating out there. You've got Derek Grant that's come in. Uh, Forward-wise, this is probably, correct me if I'm wrong, the deepest team that we've seen at forward uh, in the Mike Sullivan era. Are they going to play with five lines instead of four? (laughs) Five lines, only uh, 40. Yeah, apparently. It seems like that's the way they're going to go. I mean, I I view this, I mean, obviously there's just nothing as a positive, um, but I I do question uh, where some of these guys are going to fit. What do we make, what do we make of the Derek Grant signing and and, and the Jimmy Hayes signing for that matter? Um, Any comments on potentially where you see them fitting in, if anywhere? I just think they're safety valves for the most part. They're two guys you have there when the inevitability of injuries or fatigue set in over 82 games um i think that's especially true with Derek grant like i think a lot of people looked at that signing you know not that you're gonna get great nuanced takes on twitter.com but a lot of people were basically like why why are they doing this and they have cullen they have broussard they have crosby they have malkin what's the point of this it's like well eventually somebody's gonna go down or eventually somebody's gonna underperform and you got to have somebody there to step in and I also think it's there to keep some of those those bottom six forwards honest. Just, you know, that guy's waiting there. He could play. He could step in for you. So not saying play for your job, but, you know, keep your head up because there's a guy waiting. Yeah, and, and a guy like Jimmy Hayes has a high upside. I think it was just three or four years ago he almost scored 20 goals when he was with Florida, I want to say. Yeah, I mean, they built the arena right next to that church. I think that uh, that's the problem in terms of the injury situation. I, I don't think there's something spiritual going on there. Well, and they <laughs> tore down a hospital. That's bad. That's no, all bad. I mean, God only knows, you know, what kind of vibes they're dealing with. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, insur- I think you're right. But insurance for both of them. Um, but, again, you're not going to catch me complaining about uh, either one of them. And, and you know, if nothing else um, – there's going to be a good bit of, of push and competition. It at least makes camp interesting. And again, not that I, I would anticipate either of those guys to, to make the roster outright. Um, having you know players in the in the background that can step in and do a job is never a bad thing. No, and with all those with all those signings in mind, uh, let's get into this a little bit. Uh, how do you guys see the lines and pairings shaking out? Uh, going into camp and then going out, heading out of camp into the regular season. Let's do this line by line. Okay. Let's start with the first line. We'll go first, uh, pairing, first four. Uh, uh, I think um, Derek Grant will be centering the first line. I think uh, the center depth is really going to put him in that position. It's, it's time for Crosby to take a step back. <laughs> yes. It, it's time for that. Uh, middling aging center named Sidney Crosby to take a step back. Are we all in agreement that Jake Gensel is to be affixed to Sidney Crosby's hip at all times? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's a given. Uh, so who's on the other side? Uh, Sprong? Yes. The train is picking up steam. Mike, I need one more. I, uh, I'll, I'll do the around the horn point also well are you are you going sprung also then i am okay uh, so, I, I am gonna add this in though okay and, and have you at the time jesse knows jesse knows this about me for sure 
and I'm, and I mean, it's obvious from the way he's being talked about all around. It's not just like I came up with this, but this is shit or get off the pot time for Daniel Sprong. Like, is it though? It, and and I don't. Here's the thing. What if I told you, Pat, that maybe Daniel Sprong hasn't been all that bad? I mean, I can't disagree. He's been great in the AHL, but why is he not getting call ups? I think that Daniel Sprong, right or wrong, I think Daniel Sprong has been punished for some things that other players on the roster get away with with regularity. Sometimes I cringe at the treatment of a younger player, and I think that a longer stretch of time is required to kind of work those issues out. Uh, I, To your point, you have to see something this season. What I'd like to see is Sprong get time in that position for a 10-game stretch. 10 games, I think, tells you everything you need. Not everything you need to know, but that's a, a fair sample size. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that, the, I mean, he only got, what, it was five games last year on Sid's wing, and, I mean, he... I, I think that he had one really good game where he put up three points, and that said, the other four he was fairly pedestrian. But I'm with you in the sense that he needs more than five games, and I do think I was saying it today to um, Jeff and Kenny of Penn's blog that I do think a lot of the time when we see scouting reports and reports on younger players that are about to get drafted, when they say something like, oh, he has an attitude issue – I don't put a ton of stock into that at first because I usually read that as a coach or a manager that's like, well, he didn't do 100% of what I wanted at 100% of the time, so he has an attitude issue because he didn't just agree with me at every turn. So I think there is a little bit to be questioned on the attitude thing, but he definitely deserves more of a ch- of a chance. But this is the chance. You have to you have to make hay while the sun is shining if you're Daniel Sprong. You need to consistently be putting up points in the same realm in the same way that Jake Gensel has on Crosby's wing. If you're going to get that opportunity consistently, you have to make the most of it. Mike, give me a Sprong take. I have nothing to add. The pet didn't add. So we're all in agreement that deserves some time. Um, and, and has to make the most of it. So if you look last season at Daniel Sprong's AHL production, okay, we're going to talk about percentiles here for a second, all right? So uh, where he fits in the grand scheme of the American Hockey League, right? So, and by the way, if you're in a percentile of 78.6, or excuse me, no, 76.8 or above, that's first-line production at the National Hockey League level. Anybody who's looked at a hero chart um, uh, from Dominic is going to understand what we're talking about here. But we're breaking. We're just telling you where Daniel's where Daniel sprung. Right, even strength goals per sixty, ninety-seventh percentile. Primary that assist. That yeah, that's that's good. Primary assist rate, ninety-fourth percentile. Primary points rate, ninety-eighth percentile. Shots per game, 98th percentile. Points per game in all situations, 97th percentile. Okay? Now, point. the reason I bring this up, to Pat's point, there is absolutely nothing left for this player to do at the American Hockey League level. That, that season tells you everything you need to know. I mean, this guy is in most of the time the 97-plus percent of the rest of the American Hockey League. Sending him back down at this juncture is a waste of time. Um, not a waste of time, but 
you know, unless there's one specific thing you want him to do, uh, you know, I, and, and I think we're, we're growing to a, a point where we're, we're getting past that now. Uh, this has to happen this season. Uh, and I think if it does happen, uh, it creates a wild card scenario for the Penguins that um, you, you have that opportunity to rekindle that magic you got out of the HBK line. Okay, so then moving to the second line, obviously Evgeny Malkin's going to be centering that line, and we're going to have Phil Kessel fixed to one wing, I would imagine, right? Yeah, I think you have to. I yeah. mean, regardless of how all the BS this summer has gone with the reports and whatever rumors on Phil Kessel, um, you have to admit his production goes up when he's with Evgeny Malkin, and if you, I mean, you're cutting off your nose despite your face. If you're really going to try to break that up, and there's enough depth now, I think that we can safely say that it's best to just work that until it stops working. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're past the point where, it, it, and we'll get to this in a minute, but I, I think the Penguins are in a position now where they can ice a third line that's competitive enough without Phil Kessel that you don't have to put him there to spread out that talent. Um, you know, before that created a real matchup nightmare, but I think they can kind of do that organically now, um, which, you know, for me anyway, the, 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 at an even strength perspective, Phil Kessel is at his greatest um, when you're playing him with a, with a talent, you know, the likes of, of a Malkin. So uh, I think what the Penguins were hoping to get out of Phil Kessel on the third line, they can create from an in-house perspective now, which begs the question, if we all have Phil Kessel on one side, um, who do we put on the other? I mean, I say Hornquist. That's my initial initial thought. Mike? I would lean Hornquist as well. So I, I, I would go Brian Rust uh, on that line because um, I, think, I think what that creates for you is a third line that features uh, Carl Hagelin, Derek Broussard, and Patrick Hornquist. And that is a dynamite third line. And it's, that's terrifying. Yeah. I who that that's just one of those nightmare third lines. Um, I think that does everything well. Uh, Patrick Hornquist, we've we've seen is a space creator. Um, that's what he's good at. Um, dump and chase guy. I mean, the Carl Hagelin speed. The fact that they're best friends because you know we're just an intangibles podcast <laughs> as we've discussed. Uh, I think that I, I just think that's a wrecking ball third line. But to your guys' point, I mean, there's I, I think you could fix any one of Bersard. Hornquist or Haglund with Malkin and, and still well, be okay with too, that too. From this perspective, two quick things on that is one, I think you and I talked about it a little bit, Jesse, that Broussard's injury was worse than they let on and it really hampered him in the playoffs because he was doing really well in the lead up to the injury and came back earlier than expected probably because it was playoff time and he's not, you're not, no NHL player unless they're completely incapacitated is sitting out in the playoffs. And uh, I think if you put those three together on a third line, even though Patrick Hornquist doesn't have your traditional north to south speed, he does have closing enough speed to in the offensive zone to retrieve the puck and get it to guys like Broussard and Haglin. And same thing with Haglin to get the puck to Hornquist or Broussard in front. Yeah, I, you know, looking at... I think what what happened with Derek Broussard last year, I don't even think we've gotten an inkling of, of what he's capable of doing. Um, you know, he had points in seven straight before he got hurt. 
uh, and and I would assume, and I have absolutely no information that would that would one hundred percent confirm this or even come close to confirm this. I just assume, based on how he looked, uh, that it was probably something akin to like a groin or a ham, something that that prevented him from skating and to his no, strengths. This saying, year, also, think about um, systems wise. He went from the Guy Boucher Ottawa Senators to where if you score a goal to give you a lead, shut it down. You are not playing offense. You are not playing with speed. Don't even, don't even, don't even shut it. Shut it yeah. down at the start of the game. And <laughs> shut it down when they drop the puck the first that, time. He's on shut the it down. Lane Vigneault Rangers, which may not be as, um, you know, shut it down as Guy Boucher, but they're a lot more defensively minded than, say, the Penguins. So that's two systems where he's not. You know, he's not playing the way that Mike Sullivan has the Penguins playing, which is fast, physical, in-your-face, hockey, go, go, go. He's playing a more conservative, pack-it-in, protect-the-house kind of hockey. So even in that regard, you get hurt and try to come back to that in the most intense environment in hockey. It's going to probably hamper your play a little bit. Which takes us to the fourth line. Mike, give me your fourth line layout. <clears throat> so we talked about Matt Cullen playing on the wing and Riley Shan playing center. I, and that also brings us back to the question mark of who the 12th forward is. Cause I see there's a lot of people you could make an argument for, whether it be Zach Aston Reese, whether it be Derek Grant, whether it be a Jimmy Hayes, I think training camp's going to determine who ends up playing in that spot. I, I have a hard time finding a spot for Dominic Simone on this team, but I don't think the coaching staff feels the same way. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him have some role on this team. I just think that in a discussion of pedigree, Zach Aston Reese brings something that, uh, you know, from a ceiling perspective, uh, that Dominic Simone just doesn't have. Yeah, I was going to say, me personally, I think Zach Aston Reese has, <clears throat> excuse me, has earned a spot on that fourth line, but I think the way the coaching staff views Dominic Simone, it's Dominic Simone's spot to lose. I would agree with that. Um, I am, and I mentioned this earlier, I love the idea of Matt Cullen playing on the wing. Uh, I think that Riley Sheehan, um, I don't want to use the term underrated. I think that's silly. Um, but I think he was fine last year. I think he, you know, you didn't get the Nick Bonino of the playoffs out of him. Uh, but he really outperformed, I think, Bonino in most categories in the regular season last year with a large enough sample size that I don't think it was an aberration. I think that – and you look at Nick Bonino's time in uh, Nashville and kind of what's become of him there, uh, and he's just really slid down that depth chart at center. So uh, I think that uh, Riley Shane would be fine on the on the th- fourth line, and if they wanted to move Derek Broussard to the wing, I wouldn't have any problem with Riley Shan playing on the fourth line or third well, no, line either. To kind of uh, piggyback what you said there, it's amazing what two good playoff runs will do for the reputation of a player because Nick Benino, all things considered, was a pretty average third-line center in, in the regular season, and then he just did well in the playoffs. So Big game player. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. It was just, you know, that kind of inflated his reputation and value to a lot of people because of how well he played in the playoffs. Cup runs get you paid. Yep, they sure do. Ask Ron Hainsey. Um, So I, uh, the defense, I think, is a lot less mysterious. 
because we all have Latang with Dumoulin, right? Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, and, and and I and I again, I I don't know what Latang's offseason training regimen was looking like before, guys. But if you were watching him on Instagram, my God, oh. the guy has just been in the gym. I, I don't. <laughs> you make the argument that he's taking every last single piece of advantage he can from this full summer. Um, where he can do the things that he wants to do, skate the way he wants to not have to worry about his neck. Yeah, to me, I think he is going to be the biggest beneficiary of this long offseason. I mean, you know, regardless of how short the last one was, as we found out, he was incapacitated last offseason. So there's nothing he could have done training-wise. And then this offseason, he gets a longer offseason. He goes back to being the workout freak he was prior to that. And I think that in, in what the underlying numbers will, will show you is that he didn't have as bad of a season in 17-18 as you would be led to believe. But it's because he's Chris Letang. And when he makes a mistake, he makes it so fantastically that you just do not miss it. So the second pairing, Mike, are you going uh, – you're going Justin Schultz, I'm assuming, right? And Olimata, yes. Okay. Pat? Yeah, that's what, that's what I had uh, written down as well, Mata and Schultz. I've got the same thing. Um, so the third pairing then, we obviously are left with Jamie Oleksiak and uh, Jack Johnson. No no mystery yes. there at all. So let's move on to the next God, spot. Guys, how are we, how are we ever going to get people to listen to this podcast if we just keep agreeing? We eventually have to disagree <laughs> just for the hell of it. Maybe we will here. Who's the backup goaltender on this team? Ooh. I can't wait for Twitter to get mad at me for this one. You're, but it's Casey DeSmith. Mike. Uh, I am inclined to agree with, with the Casey DeSmith take there. I think um, I think right now it's best served for Tristan Jari to be in the AHL. I, I feel like it's one of those things that if an injury were to take place and he were to need – well, it's one of those things where it really benefits him to be in the NHL if he's playing. Hmm. I am going to tell you that both of your opinions are wrong and bad and that it should be Tristan Jari uh, that's the backup for this team. Um, one, to Pat's point, to make things interesting here. But I, you know, it's going to, I, I see the point that Tristan Jari does need to play. Uh, but I also think that the Penguins need to manage Matt Murray. Um, I, I don't want to see him taking a Braden Holdby caseload this year. Uh, especially given the year he's coming off of, uh, his penchant for getting hurt. Um, not that this has all been his fault, or I think he's quote-unquote injury-prone, uh, but I I could see a backup getting more games on this team. Uh, and I, again, I got to get into a pedigree discussion here. But I, I will say that if it was Casey DeSmith, it'd be hard to argue with that. And I do think that if Matt Murray got hurt, I would almost prefer Tristan Jari to come up and start if he was in the American Hockey League. In that situation where there's an injury, I would keep Casey DeSmith as the backup and let Tristan Jari jump over top of him. That kind of that kind of sums up what I was trying to say, but in a better way. That if it were between the two of them to start, I would go Jari. But as far as backup, I'd rather have him in the AHL if that makes sense. So, looking at the Metropolitan Division as it stands, let's let's spit out an early hot take before camp even starts. Where do the Penguins finish in this division at the end of the regular season? I think they win it. Um, I think all uh, Penguins winning the Stanley Cup, excuse me, 
<clears throat> Penguins winning the Stanley Cup in 2017. I think the Caps 2018 Cup run was in the similar similar ilk. A lot of things broke their way, and they probably weren't as good as everyone makes them out to be. So I think that they're pretty much bringing back the same roster in 18-19, and I think that just leaves the door open for the Penguins to win the division. They're, they're bringing back the same roster, including Brooks Orpik, and I am going to go uh, Penguins to win the division as well. I think this is the year that they get that top seed. And uh, if you want to beat them, you have to come here to do it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm agreed with both of you. Um, in the past, we saw them trying to defend or going through injuries and ended up in either third in the division and second in the division while other teams were coming rested against them, trying to knock them off. Whereas this year, it's kind of the other way around. So surprise team in the Metropolitan Division, are we all going to go Philadelphia here? No. Okay, Pat. Give me your surprise. I'm going. I obviously just gave away the fact that I'm going Philadelphia. That was anticlimactic. Go ahead, Pat. Who's your surprise team? It's going to be a surprise with an asterisk because it hinges on something that I don't have a ton of faith in. But I think the surprise team, and it might not even be so much to make the playoffs. It just be might. It might be more that I think they're not going to be as bad as everyone thinks they're going to be, which is acceptable. And and that's Carolina. Mm. They're. They have a really good defense, and if Scott Darling at least jumps back to an average starting goaltender, I think that's going to get them a couple more wins than they expect to get. Because I just I think that they're not going in the right direction. I think that their forward core is an absolute mess, but the defense is good, and I don't think Scott Darling was as bad as he showed us last year. There is. There is an air of absurdity, though, I think, around this team that we have to discuss for a second. Did you see their their training camp schedule where they're going to have? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Can we please just take a moment to mention the grit workshop <laughs> that they're having? Grit and grind. Yes. Grit yeah, and you, grind. You either, you either put on team grit or team grind. I was disappointed wait, that was there was it? no team heart. Wait. So, wait, that was it? Yeah, that was it. It was the the team name. Oh, yeah. I didn't even realize that. I thought it was a literal grind workshop where you had to, like, do board work. (laughs) No, I I, I don't believe so. I believe it was assigning players. It was grit versus grind. (laughs) It's okay. It's still terrible. It doesn't matter. It's It's still terrible. I I was like, like, what is team grind and grit practice? Are they going to, like, take a nail file to their knuckles and, like, yo, you're going to be tough this season, pal. And then don't forget that earlier this year their owner went on record saying he preferred to operate without a plan. (laughs) That he felt he was – that was where he was at his best. I like the – my wheelhouse is having no plan. (laughs) I considered considered Carolina as my surprise team, but I think the past – at least three years, I've I've said Carolina is going to be good this year, so I'm just going to stop saying that. Uh, my surprise team is going to be Columbus in the fact that I think they're going to miss the playoffs this year. Oh boy, that's a, that's a good that's one. That's a spicy meat to ball. I think they're 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 due for a bad year from Sergei Bobrovsky in the regular season. And they are overdue for that. I mean, he always seems to be the guy that's like, yeah, he's going to win the Vezina this year, and eventually he's got to regress. Yeah, right? and and the other thing, speaking of the Metropolitan Division, um, and this will tie in with the Max Pacioretty trade from last night, I am so relieved that finally we saw a big trade that did not trade a huge star player to a Metropolitan Division opponent of the Penguins. 
Well, the Islanders don't have any room because they've been signing every fourth liner that's ever played in the league. So I think that uh, besides, I think, so Philadelphia is is a team that I think is going to finish above Columbus. There's a hot take for you. Uh, And I think that's not really all that hot, I guess. It's a mild take. But I think that the New York Islanders are going to be really bad to the point that like the rebuilding Rangers might be on the same point space as them this year. <laughs> so I, I think that, that that that's how bad this Islanders team is looking. There's a lot of directions that team could have gone in the absence of John Tavares, and it went off a cliff. Uh, there were so many so, Lou Lamorello moves there that it's Lou on- Lamorello, and he and his first hire was hiring his son. I cut you off. Pat. I, thought Go ahead. Son, I thought I, I thought his son already worked for them. I thought that was why the rumor was Lou was going to. Oh, that, that could Maple be. Leafs I may be wrong. So, so here's here's a thought experiment I want to send out to you guys. So, Jesse, you brought up the rebuilding Rangers, right? Yeah. And if I, unless I missed it over the weekend, which is entirely possible, um, Tyler Sagan hasn't extended in Dallas yet, right? Correct. So, uh, the rebuilding Rangers. Next off season, do they stray from the plan? Because at the end of this season, if Sagan doesn't re-sign in Dallas and Panarin doesn't get a trade out of Columbus, do the Rangers put their throw their hat in the ring for those two? No, no, I think they're committed to the bit. I don't know, man, because with there, there's been I think it was Custance said there was some some cadence to. Uh, the Rangers have an interest in Panarin, and they were in on Kovalchuk to your point too, Pat. And he said he wants to go to like a big city, and I think if they get that, then they just decide screw it, the rebuild's done or close to done, and they make a run at Sagan. I like I said, I mean, the, the, their name came up in the Kovalchuk discussion. I mean, I guess it's for that from that perspective, it's not all that far fetched. Yeah, yeah, and I think when it's a free agent you're talking about, you can still be rebuilding while targeting a free agent and pitching them on the fact that, hey, you can speed up this rebuild a whole lot if you want to come here. Yeah. Um, we have to just make quick, quick mention here in, in regards to this prospect challenge. Um, one one thing that Rich Miller and I on our old podcast, uh, the, the, the Penn's Blog podcast used to do, was have a gritty guy of the week, uh, which oftentimes was in jest. Um, and, and kind of a joke and, and making fun of intangibles. Uh, but I think we do need to award it this year for serious or this week for serious when we're talking about Jordy Bellreve. Um, to come back from what he came back from, to make it to camp and to be playing in this prospect tournament when doctors told him he was not going to be able to skate for a year is absolutely unbelievable to me and I think a testament to what the Penguins got when they signed him. Uh, and and to, this isn't just a diamond in the rough situation, guys. This, I mean, it, the prospect pool drastically changes by proxy of them having him. Uh, and I think the fact that he's here and playing in this tournament is something that's definitely worth mentioning on this show. Sounds like he should be on Team Grit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also, also while on topic, um, speaking of your former co-host, Rich Miller, would like to pour one out for him. Feel feel yeah, like I'm kind of retirement. feel like I'm kind of sitting in his chair here. <laughs> Take all the good times. 
Yeah, the uh, the podcast that you guys had that I named but didn't actually name because you didn't go with it. <laughs> uh, what was what did you what, what did you suggest? Uh, fancy talk. Oh yeah, fancy talk. Because it was the like. Because like I, I remember like you guys like just decided screw it and you went with Miller versus Marshall, which is and... totally just a low blow. <laughs> Like, yeah. honestly, think about it. I mean, we just took the name of the most famous hockey podcast in the market. And we're yeah. like, we'll have this. Give like, me yeah. this. You, you, ever hear, you ever hear of Merrick versus Wyshynski? Yeah, this is not that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, I, you know, the prospect tournament is a thing that ha- is happening. Um, you know, Kalen Addison is there. Uh, Jordy's there. Um, other than that, Adam Johnson, I guess we got to give an honorable mention to him. Other than that, it's just not going well, and the goaltending has been really bad and has made it basically unwatchable. Yeah, and and it is a prospect tournament against Buffalo, um, who have been rebuilding for endless years now, so you would expect them to have a very deep prospect pool. Uh, They just drafted Rasmus Dahlin first overall. Casey Middlestat's there. Alex Nylander's there. So when, when it's those guys against a couple good penguins prospects and then a bunch of other guys. I'm not sure what you really expect. And I don't know who Rasmus Asplund is. And I didn't know who he was before this tournament, but my God, whoever (laughs) he was absolutely insane today in in the game that I watched. Um, Shout out to Rasmus, Rasmus Asplund. Go get your money. You got, you got to, I I admittedly (laughs) only followed the prospect tournament through Twitter and very, very casually so you got to give us a little background on that i'm sure there's people listening who know about him but what who was he playing for was he a penguin no no sabers yeah no sabers prospect and uh i was following joe yurden of the athletic and and he had mentioned rasmus asplund a-s-p-l-u-n-d for those listening uh had scored uh earlier in the tournament was the guy who was catching a lot of people's eyes uh and today i believe when the game was two nil uh asplund uh got a hold of a puck dangled uh around just about everybody and and easily deposited the puck in the back of the net uh of all the goals that were scored today that was one of the highlights i believe the uh video of that is floating around on twitter somewhere so just do yourself a cursory search of rasmus asplund and probably find it on there so the sabers have five guys named rasmus now if not more than that Uh, that's that's (laughs) the first thing i said today i was like this is unbelievable (laughs) And Jesse is still very much in EPL mode right now because he went with 2-0. I did. I, I would like to just get this out of the way because we have a Liverpool Liverpool fan. Uh, I should have stuck with Liverpool, actually. Uh, Mike. <laughs> this chat, uh, that would have been a good chirp. Liverpool. Yeah. My, I, am, I would l- prefer that we not discuss the EPL until West Ham gets a point. Okay? Uh, they don't they, have a point yet? Correct. We do not have a single point. Have they scored any goals yet? Oh, yeah, yeah, plenty. Yeah, enough to have gotten a point. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. Uh, just, uh, uh, I got Liverpool winning the league. Yes. Oh. Makes me sick. But With, with, a, with just, a real goalkeeper, it should happen. I've just been, I've just been watching. Yeah, you're in like the, uh, you're in the infancy here, Pat. Yeah, I, I, I tried to do Arsenal a couple years back. But then, like, just my job got in the way at the time. Then I moved, and the job still was getting in the way. And I just completely fell off from it. So, like, 
rather than just pick a team this time, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, when I'm up on Saturdays and Sundays, I'm going to throw on NBCSN. I'm going to watch whatever match is on. If there's other ones on, I'll watch those too. And just eventually a team is going to stand out. You're, you're, I envy you. I envy you right now for not having an allegiance. I sometimes feel that not having one would be better than the one that I currently own. Um, well, in that in that in that vein, I feel that way. You know, since we aren't aren't just gonna go all Penguins here, I feel that way about the, the friggin' Steelers after yeah. yesterday. Yep. Oh my god, I slept through most of it. Thankfully, you didn't miss much, man. I am so inspired by James Conner's performance that I might go out and get that same haircut this week. I, I would love for you to do that, and I want, I want it on Facebook Live. I want it on Instagram. I want you to have. I want you to get Mike to go with you because Mike's a professional photographer and get all of the pictures of it. Yeah, yeah. Mike could make it look real artsy. Oh yeah. Um, no, I'm disgusted with the ceiling game. That's really what I said. To people, it's so funny because people in Cleveland are like, "Oh, it's a tie." Like. The team. We, didn't, we didn't lose. Yeah, and we're like, we lost. Uh, Cam Hayward basically referred to it as a loss in the locker room today. I'm uh, not surprised. Like, of all people who would do that, it's definitely Hayward. And it was it, uh, yeah, it was. It was uh, Adam Gretz yesterday on Twitter that, like, he is constantly beating the drum of, like, hey, stop blaming everybody but Ben Roethlisberger, and shit, is he right? Hard to argue with it yesterday. No. Real hard. So, any anything else we want to get on get into here? We're coming up on about a little under an hour. Anything you guys want to? Uh... I think that's it. I am, I'm fresh out. I'm going to make some steak tonight. You know, uh, guess what I'm going to make? Some steak. Yeah, I was going to make it yesterday, but then I felt like shit and had no appetite. So, this steak, <laughs> this steak is dedicated to Rich Miller again. Uh, fresh, fresh into retirement. Rich is known for eating a nice, fine steak in Connellsville, Pennsylvania. And I'm going to try to cook up my finest Connellsville PA steak tonight for you, Rich. I'm going to listen to some country music because I know you love that. I know how much you love oh. country. You have a big truck. You have a nice flannel shirt you like to wear. Uh, so I'm going to listen to some country music and cook up this steak. Uh, Cheers to uh, Rich. Is there, hey, but can we do – do we want to plug anything here? I'm going to take the opportunity – to mention that on The Athletic, I'll be doing part two of my systems primer, specifically the Penguins. We're going to talk about the breakout, the Penguins breakout, uh, which is the equivalent of a nonstop fire drill. Um, anybody else want to plug something while we're here? Um, I have nothing to plug at the moment, um, Is it not, but I do have a question. Is a nonstop fire drill like a Chinese fire drill? No, it's way more organized than that. Um, it's just very urgent. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, but well, that, that is what you want fire drills to be at the very least. It's urgent. Yeah, you would hope so. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I don't have anything personally to plug, but I will plug um, the quote unquote State of the Union address that was posted l- late last week in the wake of Rich Miller's retirement from Penn's blog that was written by our new leader, uh, Geoff. If you want to go check that out, it'll give you a that's J E F F. By the way, J E. F F F F yeah. and <laughs> and uh, it'll give you a good idea where we're going now that uh, you know what? Uh, new... Can we take a minute here because if we're going to shout out Rich, we got to shout out Cassie too. Um, uh, Cassie Very Anders, true. yeah, Penn's blogs, uh, who was absolutely unbelievable in what she did covering prospects. Uh, Cassie's in school. 
Uh, doesn't have time to write this year. I think we'll probably see her again before it's all said and done. But uh, Cassie, you, you pouring one out for you too. You were a good one. Yes, you did a, a lot of really great work with the prospects and Wilkes Bear, and it's definitely going to be missed uh, on the Pens blog. And the other thing that I'll add on it was uh, Jeff kind of got into it with the State of the Union, but not as much. Um, him and I talked about it a little bit. Is to everybody that yells at us and still tweets about, oh, you know, we miss the old Pens blog, we miss all this, blah, blah, blah. So do we. We do miss it a lot because it's what inspired us to start blogging. I wouldn't be talking to Jesse or Mike right now if it wasn't for Derek, Adam, I would begrudgingly say Rick, (laughs) Rich, um, Mish and you, Jesse, and so many other guys that I read throughout, like late through high school and then into college. So, like, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be doing any of this. And it would be disingenuous to us and to the readers if we just tried to carbon copy that. So, you know, we're going to try to make it fresh, but we're still going to keep it humorous because it's, you know, you're not going there for actual coverage. You're going there for some witty recaps and a fun spin on stuff when. You're you're not you're getting you get tired of all the everyday hot takes on Twitter and all the other mainstream publications. So it's going to be different, but we think it's going to be a lot better. Well, not a lot better, but we think it's going to be better. And thank you all for listening to the uh, first episode of our show. Um, we are going to make every attempt to make this a regularity, and uh, we hope to in the next episode incorporate your questions, regardless of their nature. So if you uh, have any intention of uh, asking us about ketchups uh, or uh, space travel, uh, we will accept those as acceptable topics, uh, and we will uh, be back uh, with you uh, for another episode very soon. You know, I do get asked though. Um, they have Dijon mustard. Why don't they have Dijon ketchup? It's a great question. <laughs> All right. Well, like Jesse said, thank you guys for listening, and we're gonna hope to be back next week. All right. See you guys. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.